Welcome to Lift, a parenting podcast. I want to let you know that originally we were going to launch this podcast next week, and we still are going to play that episode of how to deal with back to school. But the point of this podcast and the reason that it's called Lift is because parenting's hard. It takes heavy lifting, and we need to lift our eyes to God. And due to the recent shootings this weekend, we thought instead of an intro podcast, we'd ask some hard questions and dive into some things that each family is dealing with this week. With me today, I have Jenny Gomez. Jenny, can you tell me a little bit about your credentials? I don't have them listed in front of me. Yes, yes. I um, am a licensed professional counselor, supervisor, and a registered play therapist supervisor. And I'm here at the church and have been here for many years working with kids and families going through tough times. All right. We also have Michael Agnew. Michael, tell us a little bit about what you do here. I am the student ministry director here. I've worked here for six years. Um, and yeah, I just lead our student ministry team and am over 6th six, six through 12th grade. So I've had a lot of conversations already, like just this weekend, about these shootings. And it feels like every couple of months this kind of just comes up. So I'm just glad that we get to have this platform to talk about it. And so we're just going to dive right in. This weekend's been hard. Another shooting. This time it was at a Walmart and there was another shooting at a local area. How do we feel safe to leave our house is a question that I've already been asked twice. Jenny, you want to start with that? I've been asked that as well um, by fellow moms, actually. It said, I'm going to Walmart today to buy a birthday present for a birthday party this afternoon. How do I feel safe going to my local Walmart? Um, I think the reality is we have to understand the world that we're living in and be realists and plan accordingly. And one of the number one um, factors in people feeling anxious is a perceived lack of control. So most people who struggle with anxiety will say, when things feel out of control, I feel anxious, but when I know what to expect and I know what to predict, then I feel calm and feel much more um, at ease. And when we go through a weekend like this, when very normal behavior shopping at a Walmart ends in such a tragedy, it can't help but make us all feel like things are way, way out of control. And we do live in a, a, a culture and a time that is unsettling to all of us on some level. And certainly events like this make it worse. And we have to do our best to be smart and be realistic and be proactive and learn to unfortunately teach our children that as well because the hard thing is not having a discussion about it just completely shielding them from it and not talking about it isn't helpful because then your kiddos are hearing about it from other places it makes them feel scared and they haven't been able to talk to you as their mom and dad about the way to handle it and being able to be constructive in terms of how do we keep each ourselves safe is an important conversation that we need to have with our kids Okay, so, Michael, I'm going to bring you into the faith aspect in a second, yeah. but I want to keep going with this. So let's say I'm cooking dinner, or let's be real, in my house, my husband's cooking dinner, and the news is on, and my nine-year-old sees footage from this Walmart shooting. How do I begin to have that conversation where, I mean, let's be real, it starts out of fear, right? You just saw images that are frightening and real, and it looks like it's in your neighborhood, where do we start? When I've unfortunately had to have these kinds of conversations before, one of my biggest pieces of advice is to turn the news off. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there are images that are played and replayed and replayed ad nauseum that you can't unsee. And while we need to have these discussions with our kids, and I promise I'll get back around to that part, I do always caution parents, especially of younger children, meaning like middle school and below. Um, and you also have to know your child, right? I have a going into seventh grade kiddo who freaks out watching the news. It makes her super anxious where my 10-year-old can handle it and process it effectively. So you have to know your kid. But those images that we see are, burn in, are burned inside the memory. And so I, number one is I think you have to limit their exposure to images that are not helpful, right? And so to be aware of that and be careful about that, um, there's just some things that kids don't need to see. Um, and if we can help them from that. At the same time, kiddo comes in, say they, say they saw the news or say they heard about it from a friend and said, did you hear about this, mom? What happened? Am I safe to go to Walmart? Are we safe to go to Target or Kroger or what have you? Um, I think there has to be a discussion with kids about that as parents, God entrusted us with them to do our very best to keep them safe, right? And I tell my kids all the time, even going through the adolescent years, my number one job is to keep you safe and, and to do my very best at that. Ultimately, I have as much control as I do, right? And I have to be aware of that. Um, and so we talk about ways that we stay safe and that we don't put ourselves in unsafe situations knowingly and that we um, take precautions and we're aware of our surroundings. Um, and part of the way we stay safe is unfortunately in this culture and we find ourselves having way too many discussions about mass shootings is unfortunately we have to educate our kids about how to stay safe in those situations. And I know that schools are having active shooter drills now and kids are being very um, intentional about strategizing their own safety plans, which is horrible that they have to do that, but they're smart and resilient and that's what kids do is they figure out a way to make themselves feel safe um, and, and to be able to have those tough discussions with them. But number one, I'm gonna do everything in my power to always keep you safe, but to the extent of the part that I don't have control over, Let's, let's put some things in place to, do, to help us feel as safe as we possibly can. So, Michael, when we talk about this, Jenny has given us very practical approaches on how to talk to our kids. Where's the practical faith in that approach? Where do we rely on our faith in God? Um, let's be real. Praying to God before we go to Walmart isn't going to stop yeah. a mass shooting. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'd like to think it does, but... That's just not how prayer works. So how do we add faith into this practical approach? I think that creating, sharing our e emotions with God, I, I, I think is key. That a lot of times, whether it's just like with like the students that I talk to, but a, a lot of times it's like if things are going good, then we talk with God. If, if things are going bad, then we talk to our parents or we don't. Welcoming God into that, like if you read the Psalms. It's like a third of the Psalms are these Psalms of lament. And it's about mourning and being angry and wondering where God is and like wondering like, God, you feel so distant from me in this moment. And I think that the Psalms were written to be this like perfect picture for how we should relate with God. And whenever you go to church, it can be this happy-go-lucky, like feel-good type thing, but that's not what mature, strong faith is. And so it's whenever these hard times come, God can take our questions and God can take our anger and God can take our um, doubts, but it's a, addressing those to God and allowing him to, over time, give us that assurance, um, I, I think is key. I think that, um, yeah. I think that's great. I, it's not easy. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think that answer was perfect, right? We rely on God in the good times, but is God good on a day that there is a mass shooting? And how do you answer that question? Because here's the next question that kids are going to ask. Why does God let this yeah. happen? Yeah. Right? And it's, I know as soon as, I know whenever things like this happen or a student in, in the area passes away, a kid will text me and say, hey, can we meet up? And every time that that happens, they want, they're seeking out, an, they're seeking out answers. And my number one thing is, I don't know why. Like, I am hurting just as much as you are hurting, and I'm confused just as much as you are. But I know that God will always be there. And, like, and it's in those times of questions and doubting and feeling like, where God are you? Um, that, like, having the community support of the church and having a place where you can go and ask your questions or just be around other people is really like such a big deal and is what we at St. Andrew tried to prioritize for, for sure. I think it's important y'all to, you know, chime in, but I think sometimes we don't allow ourselves to question God because we feel like God is God. God mm-hmm. is ultimate. God is all. And if we question our creator, who are we as Christians in faith? But just like any relationship, my relationship with my children, my relationship with my husband, are things I've worked hard to build in that trust. Yet in God, God gives us ultimate love and grace and trust from us. But we've got to be vulnerable and real and allow those hard questions. So I'll start with Jenny and then you follow up. If my kid asks me, why does God allow this? And I'm frozen. I don't know how to respond to that. I don't, I don't want to respond to that. Where do I go? Where do I go with these why questions? So just like Michael said, there's I don't know, right? I don't know is, is one way to be real with your kids, right? I think it's really important to be real with your kids that, that we don't know all things. Um, But I also think it's helpful. Usually when kids have asked a question, that's just the tip of the iceberg and there's more stuff mulling down there. And if we just answer simply back to them, Mm -hmm. we might miss out on understanding where that came from. And so if you can say something back that facilitates that communication, I think it ends up being a much more beneficial communication for both of you. And so to say something like, wow, I hear you've really got some, that's a big question. That's a tough question. What do you think about that? And out will pour well, I think it's terrible, or I think it makes no sense, or I think it's the devil, or I think, I mean, age-appropriate kinds of responses will start coming out. And it allows you as a parent to listen and absorb where they're at and process with them and still love them and hug them and be real with them that you don't know. And that part of faith is, just like we said, God's big enough to take our questions and to take our pain and our hurt. And I've counseled lots of people that are going through tragedies and have very raw anger. And and I think that that's part of faith is being able to to share that good and bad. And um, I think it's an opportunity. Unfortunately, these awful opportunities can are also these awful situations can be opportunities for connection um, with your child and be able to talk about things that otherwise wouldn't have come up. Yeah. So, Michael, I think one reason that we asked you to come in today is because you at this church, I would say, get the most real, raw questions from any pastor. A lot of us try to shield ourselves from the pastors, and the students just kind of 
come to you and lay it on the table. What's some question that you feel like parents may not know that their kids are asking about this type of situation? I would, I think the biggest thing is how for kids, it's like this kind of like this expected thing that something bad is going to happen. That like for like whenever I was in high school 10-ish years ago, like, 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 (laughs) which obviously wasn't that long ago, but like I felt safe. I mean, like, like never did I like ever think that anything was really going to happen at my school now. So it's not necessarily for kids like, are you scared or are you nervous? Like every kid that I talk to, it's it's just like this automatic thing. And so it's more, which is really depressing. But I think that um, going into a conversation, like knowing that even if your kid is in middle school, they're, they've, they've, they've gone through these drills. They've, they've seen the news, like it's a real thing for them. Um, and for a lot of kids, this is maybe the biggest, like social justice, this is the biggest thing going on for them, or it's affecting them seemingly the most. So just to recognize the fear that, let's name it, school starts. Mm -hmm. And I get chills saying that out loud, knowing I'm dropping my kids off next week in a place where I grew up with joy and comfort and great memories where I know this place then evokes some just natural fear. So obviously I'm having a hard time even saying that sentence. How do we as parents, and I think you've said this, Jenny, but I need to hear it again. Let our kids out of the car next week. And then how do we prepare our kids if they're having that fear of getting out of the car. I think there's a there's a there's a short-term kind of concrete answer to that and then there's a bigger picture answer to that in my opinion. The short-term answer is there have always been bad things that happen to kids at schools. Hmm. And I have to as a parent, I have to trust that I've done everything I can do. And that, first and foremost, these are God's kiddos that he entrusted to me. And that I feel, you know, I have to I have to trust and I have to have faith. And the thing about kids, too, is that they will take their cues from us. And so I've given this analogy to families a million times in different scenarios. But if I'm on an airplane and there's... A seemingly a weird noise or a bunch of bumps and makes me anxious instinctively without even thinking about it I look down the aisle and I try to size up the flight attendant because if the flight attendant looks cool calm collected and giving the guy in 14b a diet coke no big deal then I'm like okay we're good but if the flight attendant god forbid has to go sit down or look scared or is freaking out on any level then i feel like I have full permission to lose my mind, right? Because if they're upset, then it's time to be upset. And I think that we are, I don't think, I believe that we are our kids' flight attendants. And they look to us for, if you're okay, then I'm okay. And so I think what's important is that as parents, it is incredibly normal and appropriate that we are all with heightened anxiety right now about our children's safety. But we need to be mindful while we need to be real with them on some level. We we also have to be mindful that 
putting that on them is something that's another burden that they can't process as kids. And if, and if they see that we are scared, they'll fall apart, uh-huh. right? Um, and so I think that's a really important piece of the puzzle. I think the other piece of the puzzle is awareness um, of of surroundings in terms of people that are hurting and people that are being bullied and people that are the kind of the stereotypical outcast kiddo and people that are having a tough time in their life right now or maybe they're making some bad choices and my hope is that we can empower kids and that through this I always look for silver lining that's how I cope with life is that maybe kids can be empowered to start being helpers Right. And you asked earlier, like, how does God allow, you know, if kids ask that. Right. Right. And I always try to say, well, look for God. I think I was looking it up. I think it's Fred Rogers that talks about like in a time of crisis, like look who's running towards the crisis is the helpers. And to me, that's the hands and feet of God. Mm-hmm. And so to be to look for that and to find hope in that of whoop, there he is and there he is again. And then how can I be that? How can I be a helper in, in a time where our country is hurting and in crisis and there's scary things? Kids feel more anxious when they feel like a victim and something's happening to them, not just kids as adults too, (laughs) versus when we feel like we are empowered on some level and can help and make a difference, then we feel more in control. And so I think to me, it's encouraging kids of, we have to look at within the scope of our control and as parents too, what actually can I do? Right. What is, and, and I need to do it, right? Not just like say, you know, not give niceties to it, but what is within my control and what can I do differently to make an impact in this world to the extent that I can and do it and empower our kids to do it and support their ideas and have them be creative of how can we be helpful and how can we spread God's love and how can we help people feel included and how can we, if we have a concern, what do we do? Um, Is to empower them and to empower them to help make positive change in their circle, Mm -hmm. in their world. Michael, you were talking about that this is one of the biggest social justice issues for this generation. How do you see, where's the hope? Where do you see the kids living into doing exactly what Jenny just talked about? Yeah, I think that this generation for sure wants to be a part of something that's bigger than them. And like, they are like the generation that will change things. And as like older generations, it's easy for us to just, kind of be in our own box or like, oh, this is, it's always been this way. So like, why, so like, why change it? But um, we had, a, we had a student in our youth group who kind of created this walkout last year about gun violence and school shootings. And it was really interesting as like the youth pastor that on a lot of political things, like you kind of got to say like neutral, just, just so, um, just on stuff like that. And um, it was in- interesting because I was, proud of him for wanting to do something and change something. And I think that there's this, and his parents were, were very open with that because they said, hey, if he's passionate about this, um, sure, like go for it. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of kids that want to do something and feeling empowered that their voice matters is key. Not saying that you have to do a, a, a school walkout, like whatever, but like um, that, the only way that this issue changes is if the people that are being affected by it the most stand up. And the people that are being affected by it the most, a lot of times, are kids and, and students. I, I think it's like adult, I think it's anybody, like it's easy to just like be numb to it because like I saw it in the afternoon-ish time, like whenever on like Twitter. I'm like, oh, this just makes me really sad and like depressed. I'm just not going to like look into it. 
that night found out the kid was from Plano and uh, reached out to one of our kids and he's like yeah I'm like I you I dated this guy's twin sister one time like and, and it just became like this whole bigger so then it became like real for me because it was it was like most like goosebump moment ever because it was like this kid it yes yeah it, it, it just was very real um so this particular shooter in El Paso grew up in our community and so you know I think what we've talked about up to now is a very general way to talk about your kids, to talk with your kids, to process yourself as an adult, tragedy. It changes things when you actually might have had a class with the shooter, or you might have gone on a date with his sister, or you know his parents, or you lived on the same street, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, there might be kids listening who went to high school Mm-hmm. with the El Paso shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they process this when it, 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 it's in your backyard at that point? It's, it's broached into your comfort zone? I think recognizing that there are hurting and, and sick and disturbed people, they can be anywhere. It doesn't discriminate, right? And mental illness and I don't know. I don't know this guy's situation or diagnosis, I'm not going to opine on that, but that that it does bring it home. And there's this part of our brain development and our adolescent years that we think that nothing bad will happen to me or it won't happen here. It always happens over there, which is why when there are crises or tragedies in, you know, high schools, for example, and somebody, there's a drunk driving accident or somebody dies, you know, something terrible happens. Kids are sometimes especially rocked because it goes against their brain development because they don't think that bad things happen. Like their brain tells them that bad things don't happen around them and that happens to other people somewhere else. And so to have a a community connection um, to this situation, I think is especially difficult. And to look back and think, well, gosh, like I was in a class with him or I know I used to pet sit his house or whatever, right? Like that there's some connection. Um, It again, kind of bursts that bubble of like, it could have happened here, you know, and, I think it's, it makes it especially real um, for kiddos in that situation that may have had a connection or live in that neighborhood. I have friends that live in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of rocked my world when I saw it pop up in the news what neighborhood it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, anything that has a connection back to an individual is going to make it feel more significant as they recover from it. Um, I think the, a lot of these hate crimes a lot of these shootings, some of them are completely random, and some of them are targeted at certain populations. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, I will, I will tell you that I was extra protective of my kids hearing about it because of their last name. And I know that there are some African-American families I've worked with who've been extra scared. I've dealt with some Muslim families that have been extra scared after these events occur because they're oftentimes targeted at a certain group of people. And... I think you have to just be aware that those that are coming off of a fresh situation like this, that sometimes those, you know, people that were seemingly targeted are going to also have maybe a higher sense of fear of, are there going to be copycats or people coming after me or, you know, my family, is my family safe? And it's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation when a lot of these are targeted at certain populations, unfortunately.
we all have a hard time with this. We talked a little bit before we started recording, and we're like, just not again. How can this be happening again? And um, both lamenting at the tragedy and lamenting in the fact that we've had this conversation so many times. I want to end with hope and end with how we can participate in the good. Um, Jenny talked about, you know, looking for the good in the tragedy. Will either one of you want to talk a little bit more about maybe how we can be the light of hope in this world when it does seem a little bleak sometimes? Yeah, in talking with kids, death in this community is very, very real. And for a a lot of kids, they say that them and their friend groups are just numb to it. So not so much that they aren't, that it's like a crazy thing that this would happen, but they expect it to happen. And it's happened so much that they just become numb to it happening. And that's the saddest outlook and has rocked my world the most this past year. And so what we are trying to do is create an environment where, um, yes, bad stuff happens, but don't be numb to that, that, um, that there is this very real hope that like, that's the whole point of like church and Jesus, that there is this hope for a better life here and especially in heaven. Age appropriate ideas, right? For yes. different breakdowns. Great. So I think that again, to kind of go back to empowering our kids and actually empowering us so that we feel like we're doing something positive yeah. and helpful. Um, I think that, um, you can have a mason jar, like say you have preschool age kids, right? And you can have a, a mason jar of little slips of paper that have like random acts of kindness, right? And you guys can brainstorm things and put them all in and every day you pull one out and, and we're going to do the, do mm. that thing, to do something kind for somebody else. And um, if we're a little bit older, it's talking to kids at dinner about not just who are the kids that you hang out with and who are the cool kids, but who's the kid who doesn't have any, like who did you invite to sit with at your lunch table today that otherwise was going to be by themselves or hiding out in the bathroom or the library because they don't want to be the kid by themselves in the bathroom or, um, you know, doing those kinds of things, um, inviting somebody over to your house that you know is hurting, inviting a, inviting a neighbor that you wouldn't necessarily know and maybe isn't in your group but kind of could use a friend or seems like they could stand to have somebody to hang out with. Um, it's even the buying the, you know, what we, we see, I think our community in this world is craving kindness and craving grace and craving love, craving Jesus. And that through doing those acts for others, we are the hands and feet, right? And we are loving and we are showing grace. And I think it's why you see when people are in the line at Starbucks and somebody pays for the person to drink, I think that stuff will go on for hours. I have a story about that. I did it one day. I don't go to Starbucks very much anymore. And I went like one week and paid for the car behind me. And about a week later, I stopped by again. They were like, it's you. And I was like, I don't understand. Mm. They said 17 cars. Wow. It went 17 cars. And I think that's true. We're just, we're, we're craving for opportunities mm-hmm. to do kind things. Yep. And it doesn't have to be big monumental things. No. It's just, and, and also as parents, we're modeling that for our kids, you know? And I think that's, it's the whole do as I say, not as I do situation, but in reverse, right? So we need to look for opportunities to model kindness and model inclusiveness and model our faith 
and model healthy communication and not just say, tell our kids to do it, but model it and look for those opportunities um, to do those kinds of things and, and make that a family value that is something that we're not going to just talk about it and we're not going to just say the thoughts and prayers comment that everybody says, but we're going to do something. We're going to take action every day to do something good and do that as a family. Although this is not how we originally decided to start this podcast, we hope that the information you gain today is something that can help you with your family. Again, the reason behind this podcast is so that we can connect with you throughout the week. We hope and pray that this gave you some new insights, gave you some opportunities to start discussions, and ultimately gave you reasons to find the goodness in the darkness and the hope in Jesus. Next week, we're going back to original programming where we're going to talk about how to survive back to school. We also just want you to know that St. Andrew's here for you and your family. If you have any questions, please reach out to myself, Kim Myers, Michael Agnew, or Jenny Gomez. We're here to walk life with you. So I wrote this poem about two years ago whenever some high school students uh, passed away in a car accident. And that entire week I had a dozen kids come up and talk about this really heavy topic about why their friends passed away. Like, how could God allow that to happen? And so through their conversations, I just wrote this poem one day in like 30 minutes as, as I was just praying to God. And... So this is my conversation with God, basically. This is what this poem is, is me talking to God, trying to process through why something tragic happens. God, I love you, and right now I need you. My faith is weak, Holy Spirit, please breathe through all my weaknesses and doubts so I can be near you. Cause this storm is too much for me to even see through. I don't know why tragedy comes and why you didn't intervene. Lord, I know that you heard their screams, so will you even listen to me? Why is it that you're absent? Why is it that you're distant? You could have saved them in an instant, Lord, did you miss it? Did you listen? Did you hear their cries? God, did you hear their cries? Did you hear their cries? God, do you hear mine? I know that you're there, but I need it to be true. I need your word to be more than just my proof. I trust you, Lord. You know that I do, but I can't help but ask, Lord, where the hell were you? Because this wasn't supposed to happen. I can't believe that it was, but it's times like these, I see you more like a judge. Cause if you were their father, then you would have got there. How can I look in that room and know that they're not there? This is beyond just not fair. Lord, did you just not care? I'm at a loss for words and I think I'll just stop there. Cause like that night, Lord, you aren't there. God, you aren't there. Lord, you aren't there. Son, I'm here. I know that you cannot see it clear, but I was so near. I was with them through every tear. 
Please know that my heart is broken like yours. What happened is not what I had in store. My plan does not include war, but sometimes a battle happens that I am not for. I did not create it, but it's true I did allow it. And my heart was breaking with them, but they were surrounded. They did not die alone. I had angels by the thousand who comforted them in their pain and escorted them up the mountain. I wish that it wasn't this way. I wish that you didn't feel pain. I wish that you could see the sun through the rain, but one day you will and you will call my name. And I will be there in an instant and you will see my face. I cannot wait to hold you and tell you that I am so proud. I know your screams are loud and son, I hear every sound. Please know that this is not the end and earth is not your home. I might feel distant in this moment, but your pain is always known. One day, all the mysteries will be shown. But until that day, rest assured that you are never alone. You are never alone. You are never alone. You can find any information about our speaker today at our church's website, which is www.standrewumc.org. So make sure to visit our website where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes so that you will never miss another show. And while you are at it, if you found any value in this podcast, then please leave us a review on iTunes or simply just tell a friend about this podcast. We would also like to thank the creative team at St. Andrew for all of their work in helping us make this podcast and us sounding intelligent. We love getting your questions and feedback, so be sure to send us any questions that you have to lift at strumc.org. Peace.